2: This podcast contains explicit language. So that happened. This week, the primary season finally came to a merciful and historic end, with Hillary Clinton reeling off a series of decisive primary victories one day after the Associated Press reported that she'd earned the backing of a sufficient number of superdelegates to take her to the nomination. But now comes the tricky part. Clinton has to forge a path forward in a way that integrates the durable legacy left behind by her opponent, Bernie Sanders. We'll commemorate the beginning of what will be a very interesting challenge for the new Democratic standard bearer. Meanwhile, on the other side of the docket, Donald Trump has found his own support with Republican elites eroding badly, days after he'd earned the endorsement of House Speaker Paul Ryan. Trump's problem may be the fact that the general election season brings a higher intensity of scrutiny than he's ever faced in his career. But Trump's saving grace may be the fact that with so much to scrutinize, how will any of it stick? Maybe too much of a bad thing is a good thing. Finally, we are weeks away from the opening ceremonies of the Summer Olympics in Rio de Janeiro, Brazil. Back when Rio won the IOC's bid, Brazil was enjoying a booming economy and looking forward to joining the ranks of elite nations. Now in the midst of a historic recession, massive political strife, and the ongoing Zika outbreak, this Olympic Games might be a disaster in the making, with Rio's impoverished population caught in the middle. I'm Jason Lincolns with Huffington Post reporters Zach Carter, Amanda Turkle, Travis Waldron, and Christina Wilkie. Here's what happened first. Hello, America and all the ships at sea. Welcome back to another edition of So That Happened, the end of the Democratic primary maybe edition. My name is Jason Lincoln. I'm the editor of Eat the Press at the Huffington Post, and we have a really nice show for you today. We're going to get things started right away with our pal, Zach Carter.
3: Oh, hello, everybody. Hey, Zach. So, so strange to see you on this show.
2: Yeah, Always. Always a strange thing. Uh, Arthur Delaney, uh, who's normally a regular, is out this week on vacation, but it's okay because we have a really great guest right off the top, our own deputy bureau
1: chief. I don't know. I keep give, <laughs> I,
2: I think I've given multiple people that title <laughs> on this say show. You that,
1: That's fine. Everyone
2: who comes on the show who's above <laughs> me is a deputy bureau chief. Sure. Hi-up um, boss lady. <laughs> yeah. Hi-up boss lady, Amanda Turkle.
1: Hello. Thanks for having me. It's great to have you back.
2: So... Last night, uh, I just broke one of Arthur's rules. This week.
3: I'm going to interrupt uh, here. Uh, people who are listening to this podcast cannot see this, but Jason Lincolns is currently podcasting with the suavest haircut he has ever had. It is an amazing haircut. He looks great. great. He looks great. Thanks. And it really pe-
1: blew up Instagram when yeah. it was posted. <laughs> it kind of did,
2: yeah, yeah. But you know what's funny is I have to say, I have to say that like everyone's complimenting me on the haircut, the credit blogs. To my wife, who actually did the the cutting,
1: it's I, I very w- impressive. I say, I'm just her canvas. Feel w-
2: when you
3: when you feel Jason's political analysis here. Just 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 acknowledge that it's swaver <laughs> and 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 more uh, I, and just and just slicker than it's been before.
2: I doubt that's going to be the case. I d- really do, but I'm, I'm 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 grateful to have a lot less hair now. But you know, okay. So this week we had big big primary night in California. Uh, A day before, the AP reported that uh, enough superdelegates had flowed to Hillary Clinton's side to basically notch the nomination. So we are in a bonafide historical moment where a woman is now, uh, we'll say, major party nominee because we we have to remember that Jill Stein was actually the nominee of the Green Party and we will be again – But uh, this is big. This is big, right, Amanda?
1: Yeah, it's huge. And I feel like a lot of how huge this is has gotten lost with all of the Donald Trump stuff and the latest thing he said that was offensive about a judge. But, I mean, a woman first ran for president in 1872, Victoria Woodhull, and about 200 women have tried to have sought or been enlisted to seek the presidency or receive votes for the presidency since then. But no one, no woman has ever been at the top of a major party ticket until now. I mean, women also weren't allowed to vote until 1920. So that took a long time, too. So this is this is really big. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm hearing people be like, oh, you know, this was coming eventually. I don't really like Hillary. This is not a small deal. It has taken this Long for this to happen because of all the barriers. This is a very big deal.
3: I think. Uh, I think one thing that's kind of uh, I, 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 we we forget how retrograde the United States is. I think on on this particular issue because you know, look, Margaret Thatcher was like going toe-to-toe with rick Re- well not toe-to-toe she was going arm in arm with reagan in the 80s uh you know the united states is way 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 behind the curve here on on gender stuff and and on um on on the glass ceiling than a lot of other countries which we consider in a lot of ways to be
2: inferior to us yes yeah, because, socially, because <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah because
3: we are the best america rules um and and so and so like i i think that's um it, that 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 to me is 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 kind of shocking that that we're we're you just look at how many women leaders there have been from other countries and it's taken this long in the United States which you know you you mentioned women's suffrage I mean we were a little bit late to that game too
1: right <laughs> and part of the reason it you you mentioned uh, Margaret Thatcher I, I can't remember who I was talking to but they they made the point that. In countries where there was a monarchy and there were queens, people were more used to seeing women in power. And that could have been the reason that they were more comfortable having women as leaders and electing women leaders, uh, where in the United States, we just haven't had people have not been comfortable having a woman in the position of commander-in-chief. They don't know what that looks like because women haven't been able to rise through the military ranks or weren't able to for a long time. And so they they just, you know, when Margaret Chase Smith ran for president, a Republican, she was a senator from Maine, they said, or she was actually running for Congress and questioned whether she could be tough on national security. They said, look, a smile and a flick of the wrist, that just won't do it when you're dealing with America's enemies. And Geraldine Ferraro, when she was running for as VP, they said that, you know, do you think you're really tough enough to push the nuclear button? So this is something that women have had to deal with all along, except Hillary, who is actually too hawkish and wonder if she'd be too quick to push the nuclear button. So we have come very far.
3: Well, that, that, that does actually, I mean, I mean, her, her policy positions do make me squirm. Uh, but I mean, but it's also the case that in, you know, the Latin American left, I mean, you, you've seen in, in a host of, of South American and mm-hmm. Central American countries, you've seen you've seen women leaders from, from the left. Uh, I mean, I just feel like the United States is uniquely sort of bad- on this oh, yeah. um, and and there is a way uh look look Hillary Clinton is and I differ on many many issues of of policy but th- but this is a, a significant moment
2: you know it's also it's also going to be really interesting going forward because now we get to experience what it's like to cover and watch uh, a female candidate for president be covered as extensively as you get covered when you 're not just in the nomination hunt when you 're really at the top of the ticket, and you know we, we all we can all cite examples of the way in which women in politics get covered by the media there 's always sort of a little bit of emphasis on clothing on appearance, uh, just the sort of things that never come up when a man is in the picture on uh, I remember on on Sam Stein's podcast, candidate confessional, uh, he had Michelle Bachman come on and talk about this and you couldn't be further apart politically. Well, you could be a little bit further apart politically than Michelle Bachman and Hillary Clinton. But you know, she, she talked about her experience running for president and how all those things kind of were there as tiny little pitfalls and tiny little underminers, uh, that she had to just sort of like decide how to cope with and deal with. Uh, I remember the, the, you know, that, you remember that profile of, of, um, God, uh, Obama's foreign policy guru that, that was, that made all the rage. Susan
1: Rice. Samantha no, 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 no,
2: The The, 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 <laughs> the, oh, the Ben Rhodes. Sorry. Thank you. Ben Rhodes, uh, buried in that piece. And I'm not sure I, I it may have escaped a lot of people's attention, but Samantha Power is mentioned in it. And after, uh, a profile of a man which never touched on things like weight, appearance, uh, clothing. Samantha Powers introduced somewhere in the middle just for a brief moment. And the focus on what she, how she was attired was crazily intense. And I was jarred by it reading it. I was like, whoa, it's sexism at work. That's sexism at work.
1: Yeah. And I do, I do, I will say, I actually do think the media coverage of female candidates has gotten better over the years. Even since Hillary ran in 2008, I think it's gotten better. It's not perfect, obviously. Pundit's still saying, you know, Hillary would be great if she just stopped shouting or if she smiled a little bit more. But you never hear that about Bernie Sanders or Donald (laughs) Trump who aren't smiling and shout all the time. But where we will, you know, Hillary's gender will come up, obviously, because, I mean, it should. She is a woman and she is running to be president. But... Because Donald Trump is going to make an issue of it. He already has. He has already said that Hillary is playing the woman card. And if it weren't for her gender, she wouldn't be anywhere in the polls, which is wrong. She might actually already have been president yeah. if it weren't for her gender. So Donald, she will be running against Donald Trump, who will just bring this up over and over. And it will be interesting to see how she deals with it and how the media deals with it.
3: I want to point out that it is OK to celebrate the first woman being nominated from a major party and also still be deeply skeptical about Hillary Clinton's class politics. I think I think you can you can look at these things and say this is a this is a good moment in this respect and also say, you know what? We have real, real problems in this economy and it's not obvious that Hillary Clinton has been on the side of, you know, I I think Bernie, I I wrote a piece earlier this week that said essentially Bernie Sanders campaign was saying politics contemporary politics is a struggle between financial capital and everybody else, and Bernie Sanders is on the side of everybody else it 's never been obvious in hillary clinton 's campaign w- whether whether she's on the side of financial capital or everybody else I, I think she has the opportunity to to declare herself on the side of everybody else um, but but i I do think people can be deeply skeptical of her of her class politics and also say it's a good thing that we have a we have a woman being nominated right. for president we've um, talked
2: about this in the show before the the, the sort of Uh, barrier breaker theme seems to suggest that her key prescription for income inequality is to force or to, uh, I I don't know what the word is, because you can't say force. She's not a dictator, but to to (laughs) engender a desire for a more, for diversification of the elite class and the knowledge class. And there's certainly a lot of good that can be wrought in that area. But I do worry about an intense focus on the knowledge class and the elite. No,
3: a, a, a beautiful multicultural um, elite, you know, corporate boardroom class is is better than the corporate boardroom class that we have now. <laughs> uh, but it's still, it's still, uh, a, a, you know, you, you still have politics of domination, at least economically, um, with a certain group of people who are. Essentially beating the crap out of everybody else economically, and I, I think the the to, to the extent that I have nice things to say about the the Sanders campaign, I think he's just been a very very articulate voice for the legitimate grievances of a lot of people who are losing out in this economy, and and I think Hillary Clinton has an opportunity right now to pick up that that mantle and and to make that case forcefully to the American people, um, and and I, I, I in a lot of areas I think Democrats we. You know, we get we get sort of lost in the narcissism of small differences, and it, it, it looks like okay, well, you're either a Bernie person or you're a Hillary person, and whatever, or or or, or you you know you don't believe in left. but no, we're in, focused in on that. Poli-
2: we forget that most of the electorate has always viewed this race as, oh, I like both those candidates. I'd be happy to vote for either one. Right.
3: Mm-hmm. Uh, right. And and so and so there's there's a real opportunity here, I think, for Hillary Clinton to to pick up a lot. I mean, the the issues that Bernie Sanders ran on. I mean, I don't think Bernie Sanders is a terribly good candidate, uh, but but he was talking about issues that really mattered to a lot of the Democratic electorate because they are really important issues.
1: Including Hillary supporters.
3: Right. Yeah. yeah. Right. And I, and I, th- I think if she, if she picks up a lot of those issues, I, I think she could have a really, really powerful presidency. Right. And
1: part of the part of the reason certain people supported Hillary is because they do care about those issues. They think that she would be more effective in finding remedies for them and implementing policy positions. And so I think that, yes, most people would like to see her talk about those sorts of things more.
2: And, you know, we talked about on the show, the potential for an Elizabeth Warren vice presidency or Sherrod Brown vice presidency, wouldn't you think that would lend a lot of credibility to her ticket? if One of those types of people got picked.
1: Oh, absolutely. I think it would make everyone in the party happy, especially Elizabeth Warren. Uh, who, you know, is just the ideal for many progressives and many <laughs> people in the party. And it would be exciting to have an all-woman ticket. Harry Reid yesterday, the Senate uh, uh, minority leader, said that he thinks the country is ready for that. It's it's time to make up for lost time. And, yes, I think either one of them would do a lot to help sort of heal any internal divisions and just get, the, you know, Bernie's message out there more.
2: Well, you know, uh, to, to sort of like uh, bastardize something that RBG said at one time, how many women should be on a presidential ticket? Why not two? <laughs> Why not two? There've been two men a lot.
1: Exactly. A lot. So,
2: should be okay to have two women on it. All right. Uh it's a it's a it's a big moment for the country and it's a big moment for uh women and and especially girls who get to grow up being able to imagine themselves sitting in the oval office themselves. It's something that I know lots of little girls out there are dreaming about today uh and have in the past but i think when you can see the sort of uh, blocks clear in front of you it it does improve your life a lot better and gives you a little bit more swing in your step so historic moment and uh now on to the general election thanks guys
1: To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss.
2: Hey, welcome back. Uh So joining me now in the studio is uh, Zach Carter. Hey. He's got a real strong hand in all of this operation.
3: Got a great tattoo for you guys that you can't see. And uh, it's on my hand.
0: And uh, we're also joined by Christina Wilkie. (laughs) It's not a great tattoo, and I'm really happy to be here. It's great to
2: have (laughs) you here, too. So... We have witnessed a sort of strange and sudden downward spiral between Donald Trump, the standard bearer of the grand old party, and the grand old party's grandees, who, of this week, uh, in some ways, in many ways, shapes or forms, tended, uh, are, are suicidal. I would say, yeah, they're are, they're really on. They are suicide desperately bars. looking for the off ramp. Mark Kirk has, has retracted off ramp an endorsement. Lindsey Graham is directing people, right,
0: like he's wearing an orange the vest
2: and <laughs> like at, at, at atop this looming tower, you have Hugh Hewitt, you see what I did there. Zach mm. you see what I did there mm. atop this looming tower, we have Hugh Hewitt, who today called for the party to dump Trump now, Christina, you have been sort of like deep, deep, deep into the trump arcana that sounds so dirty i uh, yeah, I know well, it's a dirty it's a dirty job, <laughs> but someone has to do it someone does um, uh, you, you, you're deep into the Trump Arcana. What
0: we're finding right now, if I may, yes. jump in, okay. What we're finding, and what I think you're seeing, and what America's seeing on TV and in other places, is this is what scrutiny looks like. This is what. Um, what being in the public eye, this is what most of most senators and governors, most of the people you'd expect to be running for president. Yeah, this is what they've already gone through. So, you know, John Kasich of Ohio, for just as an example, when he was running for governor, there were Ohio papers and Ohio reporters, the equivalent of me, but who were doing the same kind of just fact checking basically everything he said, making sure he's. You know, done what he promised to do, talking to his family, his neighbors, just really getting to know what this person's life is about w- before you hand them a lot of power. And Donald Trump hasn't had any of that. But but you
3: almost don't need it. And I, I say that in a, <laughs> Ooh, um,
0: a very— Zach, I'm fighting I, for my job here.
3: <laughs> I know, I know, I know. I won't tell Ariana that I just said this. Okay. He— Opened his campaign by saying that Mexicans are rapists. Okay. He is now, now the GOP establishment is pretending to be shocked. <laughs> that he said something racist You're about right. a judge because the judge is Mexican has you know is of, of Mexican descent therefore cannot possibly judge this case fairly uh, that is obviously a horribly racist thing that no decent person in american politics can abide by counterpoint but are you really surprised though, are you
2: really surprised He's his own guy- worst oppo look i'll yeah. tell you th- i'm going to be cynical here the reason that the 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 fact that he's called out a judge matters is because he's not an abstract there's no abstractions here we're not talking about mexicans that we can't Lay a hand to Renée. right? Or Muslim. we're talking he's- literally about a member of the elite governing class. We're literally talking about a sitting judge, someone who's supposed to be passed beyond partisanship, right. and that's why they're cavilling at it. It's because he's he's a he's a member of. Of the elite class, and, and then, who
0: represents another branch of of American democracy that Americans actually, despite what you might hear, Americans respect quite a lot
2: their yeah. judiciary. So, so call it what it is. It's it's a it's a it's a sort of class thing, and it's 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 mean-minded and cynical that this kind of thing didn't raise the hackles. It's raising Right. when he's calling Mexicans rapists, but it's still. Lends the notion, lends credence to the notion that these guys walked into a situation with a candidate who no scrutiny would be applied to. I, I just to want to because underscore because what you just because he probably said. has a history of of criticizing elites in this I, fashion. I, I really,
3: I really want to underscore what you just said because I think it's really important. It's one thing in the to the Republican establishment to dump on undocumented immigrants. It's another thing to dump on. People who are part of the Republican conservative intelligentsia. I would go so that's far as totally to say it's a totally different thing. It's yeah.
2: a, it, I would go so far that that's not just limited to Republicans. I think that's limited. I think that's the entire Washington political class. And
0: it's important to remember that that Judge Curiel was appointed by a Republican, Arnold Schwarzenegger.
2: So we're literally talking <laughs> about an American judge appointed by a Republican. Oh, and, and a a soon to be reality television star. The nexus is really crazy, but. You you you, we've 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 you've you've uncovered some things that uh...
0: what we're doing now is basically going through a lifetime for Donald Trump of promises that he has made. And he's he he's making some of the same kinds of promises to to the nation, which is that he will make you rich, for instance. And this past week, we've seen an incredible amount of new documents in the Trump University case, which cast grave doubts on Donald Trump's claim that he ever wanted to make anyone else as rich as he is.
2: No, of course. Right. We've also, we're also coming off a week where, where the Washington post in particular and the media in general literally had to chase him down to make sure he made good on his promise to donate some $6 million to veterans. Right. Which was a promise that was implicit from the moment he staged a rally Against the debate right. to win a
0: ratings war. And stated over and over. I mean, the incredible thing in some ways about covering Donald Trump is that all that we have all of this video and audio of him saying things that are bald faced lies, and you show it to him or you quote him back to himself, and he I mean, it's this sort of this gaslighting thing where he makes you think you're crazy.
3: And it, I never said that. I never said exa- wages are too high right? in a nationally you know, televised debate you in front of millions are, of people.
2: Do you know what's that whole kerfuffle about Donald Trump posing as, a, as his own spokesman? What was crazy wasn't that he posed as, as his own spokesman. What's crazy is that it's years ago he copped to doing it right. and then for some reason started denying <laughs> it again. It, it, so, there's no he has no compunctions. There was no the gotcha there. No, we, the only uh, gotcha was that we actually got to listen to the recording. So
3: what's going to happen, guys? What's going to happen when the GOP establishment just decides, all right, we've 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 had enough, and we now have it have an excuse to wrest this thing from the guy at the convention? That presumes
0: that's going to happen. I would put my money on it not happening. I mm. would too, because how yeah. does it
2: happen? It doesn't. You uh, just primus is already vowed to excommunicate anyone who's not on board with the Trump nomination. Right. So the people who actually actually make the decisions about what rules get played at the convention are all previous people. And it's one that thing was
3: before the, that was before the judge comments just but it's one thing to, um,
0: for guys like Mark Kirk who are very vulnerable up in Illinois to, to renounce Trump. I mean, he's looking at an overwhelmingly basically dem- blue state that he's trying to win, but let's look, I mean, I think there's more to be, to be understood or gleaned from guys like John McCain who are in a pretty purple state that could go either way this time. And he's not saying—I mean, he's saying that Donald Trump is the most odious person he's ever met, and also he will back him for president.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and Donald, Tr- and Donald Trump went at McCain, basically, it, basically said that he was like a shitty war hero because he right? got captured.
0: And, 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 and <laughs> here's John McCain thing to who survived torture in a Vietnamese prison, and he doesn't have the courage to stand up to, to a
2: race-baiting monster? It's, it's really unusual. And, you know, his good, good pal, Lindsey Graham, right. has literally been trying, just waving semaphore flags, yes. <laughs> trying to get his colleagues right. to, to, to— Alpha Bravo Charlie. <laughs> yeah, get get away from him. Stop backing him. Right.
0: And it's very rare to see McCain
2: and, and Graham part ways on an issue. Right. And Jeff Flake, who it, is right. also in McCain's state. He is the guy who's who's floated. not running, however, for who's, re-election exactly. this year. Yeah, That's yeah, what yeah. it is. The so there's a
0: really, you know, if we look at these at these guys in purple states and gals who are running for re-election, Kelly Ayotte being a, a exactly, gal in we hear a deafening silence. So I mean, as much as I would love they're to, they're screwed.
3: They're just totally well, screwed. Well, but as much
0: as I would love to see some kind of a revolt of principle or um, you know ethics or the, the right thing and other stuff. I don't. I don't know that we will. I think
3: think you're right, and I think these people are totally screwed. I think they're going to lose their Senate seats. I think it's what's going to happen.
0: Yeah. And and,
3: and what they get as a reward for being true to the party line or whatever is, you know, a a decent lobbying gig after they lose. But I I think that's that's like a Marylander got. Yeah, exactly. Pretty much. You know? Yeah. yeah. Pretty
2: good. Yeah. Or Byron Dorgan or that, right. that yeah. kind of person. Yeah, yeah. 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 exactly. Yeah. Well, Cantor got to work for a private equity firm. Sure. It's got to be, every day has got to be a breeze compared to being in Washington. Yeah, yeah these you make guys, a lot of money. These guys get compensated pretty pretty well. It makes you wonder why they stick around in Washington so long. Well, and if, they're, if their party isn't
0: going to, you know, if they, if they see the writing on the wall and their party's not going to back them and they don't see any options for a re-election, I mean, there is... Right now, it's like a speeding train that's headed for, a, you know, a, a, a mountain without a tunnel in it.
3: Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: And so, you know, it's a picture. It's, it's a, a really bad cartoon. Kelly Iota yeah. and, and <laughs> McCain even potentially, but certainly guys like Mark Kirk— um, or Portman are on the train, and where do they get off? There's I have no answer for them.
2: You know, we've you, you've you've looked into so many things. You found out that on uh, numerous occasions he's he's raised money that he's promised to charity and never delivered on. Uh, he's got bad relationships in business. He's broken contracts. All of this stuff is out there, and you know Democrats are going to use it as oppo. The one part of the sort of political firmament that I haven't been able to really fix on is what are Republican oppo shops likely to do? Are they likely to hold their powder against Hillary Clinton? Are they likely to work down ticket? You got a guy like Tim Miller, who was America Rising, a sure. superstar, right. who then went to work for Jeb Bush right. um, as communications director. Right. Today he's on TV talking about how Donald Trump is unfit. Right. So and, that's, and he's
0: making money likely from a TV contract. Sure, not sure, sure. From, but, but like notably. Okay, not so from, he's getting paid. But basically there is, I mean, presuming that there is a Republican, Apple shop presumes that there is a Republican presidential campaign and neither of those is true. From what I understand right now, the the people who were who practiced the dark arts of Republican politics in 2012 and 2008, there there's no sign of them above water right yeah. now because there is no Trump campaign. There's no one for them to talk to. There's no one to pay them. There's no super PAC behind Trump
2: who's funding him. And there's stories bubbling up now about Trump trying to hold fundraisers sure. in locations and local donors who normally would come out to back a respectable candidate right. be willing to be photographed walking into a room with a the man. They're staying away because they don't want anything to do remember with it. Remember
3: when Trump was talking about how he was going to self-finance his campaign and always, not have any donors? Remember well, that? It was remember and,
2: well, it's always bullshit.
3: I'm just saying, Just remember, <laughs> remember when he said that? And now that he's now he's fundraising, just, and not just only have we
0: um, do we acutely remember that um, we are, I think it's now becoming much more important to look into for for journalists to look into how exactly he could if he could self finance. So he's claimed before that he didn't want to have to
2: quote sell any buildings. Unquote. In an interview with Bloomberg yes. today, he oh. was talking about how he just didn't think he needed to raise a billion or a half right. billion dollars to run for office, which would cut against the trends of the way campaigns have been financed. <sighs> yeah. uh, decades and decades of them. He literally thinks that he can live off the land of free media. Uh, He's done so far.
3: done pretty well at that so far, though.
2: right? But
0: it's important always to keep in mind whenever we're talking about Trump that so far in America, only 3%, three percent, three, four percent of American voters have cast a ballot for Trump. So between all the caucus states, between his primaries with 17 other competitors, you know there are there's a tiny number of Americans who have
2: actually pulled a lever for Donald Trump. All right, well, uh, you're right. This is this is the time where the scrutiny is going to become far more intense than he's ever he's ever expected. Whether Republicans see it as as disqualifying as right. the 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 uh, the, the, uh, the judge case. Uh, is it an open question? I think Zach, you're right. It's not a lot of things. A lot of things we're going to find out Trump has done in the past. It's not going to rise to the level of concern, but there still will be. But there's also potential cuts.
0: here to make a um, to begin to to create a wave, and you know, and this is, I mean, if judging by two, tw- 2012 and 2008. Um, in both of those races, the the narratives were defined long before the party's conventions. That's true. So, you know, so the, the losing candidates in both of those cases, Republicans, effectively lost the races in June and July. 47
3: percent had already happened, right?
0: All of, you know, well, all of this. Al
3: Gore was already boring. John Kerry was already a flip-flopper. Exactly. All that stuff. And so, yeah.
0: right, so what, you know, it's it may seem like six months is a long time for from election day, yeah, but the the narratives and the bones of these campaigns are going to be created and affixed in the next six weeks. Don't let your opponents define you. Ex- well, and it's already gotten
3: ahead. And Clinton
0: already has also a thousand people who are very good at their jobs working to define Donald
3: Trump. But you yes. know what they need? They need a single thing to say about Trump. And there are so many nasty things you can say about Donald Trump that are all true. I feel like it's it's difficult to get him pinned down with the one thing where he's he's a flip flopper. I think boring, he makes you know. the world
0: a more dangerous place.
3: Mm, I don't think dangerous Donald is good. I really, think, I think that sounds like he's. He, you don't like, think give like the man a pack of cigarettes and, 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 a, and a leather jacket. War, um. Yeah, I mean that thing is bad, but I also think dangerous Donald. He's going to shake up the system. But
0: we guess what? He doesn't need a nickname. We only think he needs a nickname because he gave everyone nicknames. No one needs a nickname. This is True. presidential politics in the lar- in, in the I most powerful think, country I, on I earth. I just
3: don't think danger is the, is the good thing for him. I don't. I don't know what it is. <laughs> yeah. I All think. Right. I think there's. I think it's actually hard to find the right. The right. The, the right thing to you know the, the way that nuclear war that- Donald. <laughs> <laughs> Nuclear, Nuclear Armageddon McGee.
2: Right. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, we're going to offer uh, anyone who chooses to use it Nuclear Armageddon McGee. Uh, nice job, Zach. Terrific. Terrific work, everyone. Uh, Christina, thanks for joining us. Thank you, guys. Uh, We look f- forward to hearing more from you. Zach, as always, <laughs> a distinct uh, pleasure and honor to share the studio with you. And, uh, folks, we'll be right back. So this summer, in a few weeks' time, we're all going to get to see the spectacle of the Olympics. It's going to be held in Rio de Janeiro. It is one of the largest cities in the Americas. It's also one of the poorest cities in America. And it's in Brazil, a nation that is seemingly beset on all sides by multiple crises, including political crises, poverty, and, of course, just because you need a new wrinkle in it, the Zika virus. Uh, it could be kind of a disaster. And here to talk about all the ways in which the Rio Olympics could be the last ones we ever have. Travis Waldron. I'm not that
4: pessimistic. You're not? Not not, that. Okay.
2: not quite. All right, there will be another <laughs> Summer Olympics after this. Um, Travis, you've written extensively about this, and I imagine that you've been steeped in Braziliana at this point in time. Um, but when the World Cup, came to brazil it was kind of in the end a bit of an economic boondoggle for the country and now they're going to take the olympics this is like a double atomic bomb boondoggle for a nation that has so many problems what is the what right now is the biggest worry if you're in brazil and you're thinking about the future of your country after the olympics come and go
4: well that's a great question if you if you actually step back when they won each of these events Brazil was booming. They were pretty much the fastest growing country in the Western Hemisphere. Yeah. And they were trailing only China and maybe India around the world. I mean, they were talking about being as big or bigger than France by this time, by the time they hosted these events. So I think that, you know, if you if you really zoom out, the economy is the biggest immediate issue threatening them. It, it They're in the deepest recession that they've had in maybe a century. That is and, telling. Yes, so they, you know, they've gone from boom to bust very quickly. Wages have been stagnant. Unemployment is up uh, around eleven percent, I think. Uh, it's all threatening. They're they're going through massive budget cuts that are threatening a lot of the progress they've made on poverty and and other issues that were plaguing the country. And then you mix in now this political scandal that people are starting to get more familiar with, which has led to the temporary impeachment right now of Dilma Rousseff, the president and the institution of a new government, but has also wrapped up uh, a bunch of other politicians in both parties in the Senate and the lower body. Uh, It's, you know, they have corruption, they have an economic crisis and, and then that's really only the start of it when it comes to the Olympics and, and what the Olymp, what effect the Olympics might have but you know it, it. Where the Olympics and the World Cup, as you mentioned, come into that is you know this was a country that was this was sort of, supposed to be the events that put Brazil on the map, right? In on the world stage, and, bee in the brick, right? And yeah. now you know in the in the year leading up to it, all we've talked about is everything that's going wrong there.
2: Take us through the. Take us through what's going on politically in the country right now, because I think that yeah, like you said, it's there. It is. It is a. It is a. Transfer power that many like into a coup d'état, mm-hmm. um, which and, in a
4: country that is still a very young democracy is, is a big deal.
2: Yeah, and and anyone anyone who's maybe not willing to use the uh, term as flagrant as coup d'état will will say it is you know kind of watching you know two very corrupt hands slapping each other.
4: Right. So it's pretty complicated, but to boil it down to its simplest, there's two separate issues when it comes to Dilma's impeachment and the larger. Uh, corruption scandal. Dilma was accused by members of the legislature of uh, misusing budget funds when to potentially make the deficit look smaller, things like that. Um, (laughs) She was actually kind of wrapped up in a court scandal. She was, I believe convicted of it. It's all, it's still a lot of legal wrangling. She was impeached. Um, They, that's a temporary thing for now. She's, suspended basically. Could, so they
2: have temporary impeachment. It,
4: well, it's not temporary. She was impeached, but now she goes to trial and it's oh, okay. a potentially All six right. month right. trial. It works a lot like it. Oh yeah. What am I here. talking about? Right. Of course. Yeah, um, yeah. Sorry,
2: sorry, sorry. She's not been convicted. But yeah. then
4: she, so the corruption scandal, which is operation car wash is what it's known as. Yeah. Is involves Petrobras, which is a large state oil company. Yeah. Um, Dilma used to sit on the board of directors oh for Petrobras. She has not been directly implicated in Operation Car Wash even though she's been kind of tangentially linked to it. But a lot of the people who voted to impeach her work. <laughs> so and uh, the the new president has also been implicated in his own problems. Uh there's it's just a mess. And again and so it's it's kind of roiling the entire um, political and and large, you know, the state-owned oil company, are wrapped up in this massive mess. And you've actually, you know, you've seen budget analysts and and economic experts in Brazil and outside saying they need to fix all this. But this is also taking away from the focus that should go onto the onto the economy. And so it's it's all kind of connected. It's all sure a big mess. And it, it's really unfortunate for a country that again, to go back to it, had made so much progress.
2: And as, as this is all happening, of course, there's still an Olympics to plan for. And I, from what I've read, there are going to be multiple problems with the Olympics. Probably the most specific one being that they're going to be doing open water swimming events mm-hmm. and kayaking events in bodies of water that are rife with disgusting pollution. Is there any hope in hell that they are going to clean that up? Because it was a promise well, to, mean, clean, to clean this up and get prepared yeah, for
4: it. I, I wrote last couple is, weeks this ago. This is, by the
2: way, the, the promise everybody yeah. who sells an Olympics right, makes.
4: Right, right. And then I wrote a couple of weeks ago, I think, that Guanabara Bay, which is the, the bay where most of these, it's the massive bay in Rio, is probably the biggest, most obvious example of the lies of the Olympic legacy in Rio. Um, they said they were going to clean it all the way up. It's It's disgusting. Pollution wise. And they said they were going to clean it up. That was the promise Olympic officials made. They haven't done it. Uh, they haven't even gotten close. And it's likely going to be pretty clean for the Olympians. At least that's what the IOC <laughs> says. They've erected these <laughs> temporary barriers to hold trash back <laughs> in, in parts of it. But, uh, but you know, that the IOC has also said they're not going to do their own independent water testing. And everything because
2: else. that might reveal that it's not safe, right?
4: At all. Right, Good so way the Associated <laughs> Press has done it and found that it's still like horrifically polluted. And you know, that raises the whole question of if you go if you look at these Olympic things, they there's because there's a lot of questions about other preparations in Brazil, right? Right, for stadiums and venues and whatnot. They always somehow figure out a way to make it work for the athletes, yeah. The question is, well, the athletes are only there for two and a half weeks, right? Yeah, so afterward. You made all these promises. You spent all this money on these venues and, and whatnot um, that could have gone to other things. Yeah. You could have actually cl- cleaned up the bay. And yeah. you didn't. Well, now you're into temporary emergency stuff because the only thing that matters to the IOC and the only thing that matters to organizers is making sure that while the world is watching, everything looks good. Right, yeah. But then all the people still have to deal with it once you leave.
2: There's a bunch of people from NBC's sports division and news division who have said, we're not going to Brazil uh, this because of the threat of Zika virus. Are there high-profile instances of athletes taking a pass on There've this? There
4: have been a few, uh Like our women's
2: soccer players are supposed to go.
4: Several of the women's soccer players have kind of raised concerns, but they haven't said any. N- I don't think any of them have bowed out yet. Um, the highest profile in the States is Steph Curry, who said right. he's not going to go with bat for basketball um but he he's doing that because of other injuries Uh, not necessarily zika but there have been athletes who raise concerns and so it's you know that's a major the zika question is is probably the most imminent as well in terms of you know how that affects not just brazil where it where it like most epidemic diseases had a disproportionate impact on poor communities. Yeah, that, um, but but I mean it. You know, there's the real threat that somebody contracts Zika in Brazil and takes it to the rest of the world.
2: We were talking before the show how when we were younger, we were kids, we still look forward to watching the Olympics because we get to see cool stuff and see foreign places, meet foreign countries, and watch sports we don't ever get to see. It's kind of hard now to like be a fan of the Olympics. To me, I feel like as an enterprise, it's one gigantic engine of inequality.
4: Oh, it is. I, I think that's correct. And you know, we've been talking for ten minutes now, and we haven't begun to be co- to get to comprehensive on the issues. You know, police brutality is a major issue in Rio. Right. They're destroying houses and pushing to make ways out for venues to push push right. po- pushing poor people out of their houses. I mean, the the UN has. Accuse them of systematically cleaning the streets of children, of poor children, um, be, to to clean, to make it look as if it's more secure than it is. And, and the thing is, is it's easy, I think, to bash each one of these places. Sure. To say, you know, it's easy to sit in the United States and say, look at that, that country down there that's dysfunctional.
2: Sure, yeah. But this
4: happens everywhere.
2: Right, yeah. And
4: yeah. it's the same story every four years. And so I think it really is hard. For me, when when you cover this and you cover the issues, not the games themselves, you know, because it's not my job to tell you who's going to win the hundred meters. Right. Or, um, or
2: gift the cool floor exercises. Or,
4: right. Yeah. But it it does get really hard to look at this as this joyous, harmonious spectacle instead of something that's destroying lives and distracting countries like Brazil from bigger issues.
2: All right. Well, we talked a lot about Brazil's problems this time out. Uh, we'll we'll have you back on soon, and we'll talk about the larger problems with what the Olympics does anywhere that uh, it, it seems to travel to. And if anyone out there, if you if you if you happen to be a listener in Brazil, I know we have a few want to share a story about what's been going on on ground level. We'd love to hear about it. Yes. So please let us know. Uh, you can email us at so that happened at HuffingtonPost.com or Jason at HuffingtonPost.com or Travis W-A-L-D-R-O-N at HuffingtonPost.com. We'd love to hear your stories, especially from anyone who's been locally affected by this Olympics or even the World Cup. Um, all right, Travis, thanks so much. Thank you. Talk to you guys in a bit. We'll be right back. So that's what happened this week. This podcast was produced, edited, and engineered by Christine Canetta. Our executive producer is Nick Offenberg. I'm Jason Lincolns. This week we were joined by Huffington Post reporters Zach Carter, Amanda Turkle, Travis Waldron, and Christina Wilkie. So That Happened is available on iTunes at itunes.com slash Happened. Check out the whole family of Huffington Post podcasts in the iTunes store. And while you're there, subscribe and tell your friends. If there's something you'd like to hear us talk about, please send an email to so that happened at HuffingtonPost.com. Thanks to all of you for listening. We miss you already.
0: Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop
1: up stunning high end goods